Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive some excellent coffee and a discount. Today, I have quarterback guru Quincy Avery, who has worked with Dwayne Haskins since he was in high school. Avery provided some good insight into changes he's noticed from Haskins based on their conversations this offseason and what he saw at the end of last season. Then I talked to Les Carpenter of the Washington Post. I always like talking to Les because of his ability to provide insight into people based on his numerous interviews or just observing them. We talk a lot about Ron Rivera and the culture he's trying to establish in Washington. And then it's me with a few nuggets of my own. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have an article up now about the Redskins offseason and how almost everything they did was geared with an eye or two toward the future. You can check out how much cap room they'll have next offseason. And now, here's my conversation with quarterback guru Quincy Avery. So let me just start with, first, how long have you been working with Dwayne? Um, I've known Dwayne. First started working with him uh, after his sophomore year in high school. Okay. We've had a pretty pretty long relationship. So what did you what have you seen from him? I know, you know, we talked earlier, you haven't been able to really work with him in the offseason as you had planned to do, but you've been in contact with him, you followed him. What have you seen from him this offseason? Any changes in him? Yeah, so I, I think the the biggest thing with Dwayne is him more understanding um the roles and responsibilities of a professional quarterback. It's not um, I think that a lot of times people misguide some of the things that they say and might say like he didn't work hard or things like that. And Dwayne is throughout his career, people have known him as somebody who's a hard worker. But I just right. think I think the details um and the things that are required to be an NFL quarterback are a little bit different than the things that are required to be a very good or a great quarterback at other levels. And he just had to understand those things as he got to, you know, the Redskins, but it wasn't it wasn't he didn't work hard. He wasn't doing things like that. Like he was – Dwayne is a very hard worker. But I, I just see that maturity, him getting ready to take the next step, him understanding the little details, how to take care of your diet, how to take care of your body, how to get ready mentally mentally prepared so you can be successful on Sundays. And, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because, like, I, you know, and you know, I talked to you before the draft last year, before we even knew he was going to be with the Redskins – and everybody I talked to talked about what a hard worker he was. So it was surprised me when you start to hear some of these things. But I always like, and I think I told you earlier, I always felt it was more about getting to be at an NFL level. And there's a difference and there's no shame in that. It's part of the maturation process, it seems, for a young quarterback. Yeah, Dwayne had only really started 12 games at, at a very high level, right? He played high school football, but then he just started that set of games at Ohio State and went right to the NFL. So he didn't he didn't really have the responsibility of having to be that starter, that leader of a team for an extended period of time. And he's stepping into that role. And I think he's I think he took some bumps and bruises going into this last year. But I think that the steps he's made in this offseason show not only his preparedness, but how focused he is on being the best quarterback or the best version of his, himself that he can be. 
And what is it that you've seen? And what, what are some of the things specifically that you've seen or heard from him in the offseason that said, OK, he's taken another step? Yeah, the way he's taking care of his body is probably the number one thing. Like he, he worked hard, he trained hard, but he didn't eat great. Like there's just little things like that when you want to take the next step the way that he understands and has dove into the new playbook, right? He doesn't have the opportunity to go in the facility and work with that staff in the way that a lot of guys would in previous years going into a new offensive coordinator. But the way he's been able to spit out information to me on what they're trying to do and what the system is and just being able to get in and out, not only in and out of a huddle, but he's going to be ready to make protection calls, checks, identify safety rotation based on things that they want to do. And the new offense that he's walking into, he he's as ready as I think you could be getting ready to go into um, this new situation with a quarterback who's actually been in the system before. Right. So he, he understood the level of detail that he was going to have to go in there uh, and be prepared to play with. And, you know, it's it's funny because it's not like this has been a very easy offseason for any young quarterback learning a new – having to learn a new offense. So are there things that you've helped him with to try and – expedite that process or is there anything that you could do to help him with that or is it he just kind of taken upon his own himself to get him in a better spot he, he's taking that on on himself more than anything but me and him spend a lot of time talking about going through processes creating systems so that he can learn it and then he can go ahead and operate when it's time to uh, go through the procedure on the field um, I've connected him with a like a sports performance coach who actually works okay. in chess um, he spent some time on the phone with him and done some sessions with him. So it's it's cool to see the direction that he's going and um, just how locked in he is. What was it? How hard? You know, you again, you because you've known him a long time. You've seen his rise. How hard was it for you? And has it been? Because, as you know, there are some people who are judging him based on his first two performances. And, you know, it must be hard. It must have been hard for you to to hear all this stuff and see all the stuff that was going on around him. I think initially it was hard, but then as you really got to, to watch or dive into like the game, like really watching the Redskins last year, they didn't put him in a ton of situations to really be no. successful. Like he just didn't have those opportunities. And when he did, he did some really good things. Like Dwayne, for the way the stats look, Dwayne played as good as one could have like, he might not have been the best rookie quarterback last year, but I think he was number two, right? And Kyler Murray was probably number one. He was number two, but he was making steps in the right direction. The talent is obvious, and I just think that people are going to see uh, like a man on a mission. Like he he understands the things needed to be that guy. What, what, what about like in some of the – because like it's hard as, as a reporter. One of the things I was looking forward to in the spring was seeing him in the OTAs to see that progression – so now we're kind of following it via his social media. When you watch him on this, on you know some of the videos and all that, what do you see? Um, I see somebody who's in the best shape of their life, who's throwing the ball really well. But it's funny because no anybody who ever had a question about Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball is silly. Like he can put up things on his Instagram and all those things, and you see the ball come out of his hands. It's pure, it's effortless. Like he throws the ball basically right. as good as anybody in the NFL, but just the way he looks, that's what when, – when I saw his body, I'm like, okay, Dwayne's serious. Like that literally right. – I, I shot him a text message like, man, I'm proud of you, just how hard you work. Because I know that's something that he has to work really, really hard at. Like that's that's a lot of effort for him to get in shape like that, and he's he's done the work, and I'm, I'm excited. 
Yeah, and I think that's like, and you know, as we talked earlier too, like there's no doubt that the, the, the guy can throw the ball, but it was that the way he's, you know, the way he shaped his body. But to me, it shows a level of commitment. And it also can add to his game because as you saw, even at Ohio State, he started running a little bit more. And then last year, as he lost some of that body fat and reshaped his body during the season, you saw him incorporate his legs more. So it it just, it seems like it can help maybe what maybe expand his game a little bit, do you think? It's going to definitely expand. Like for the 40 time that Dwayne ran, he was probably the best running quarterback who's ever ran that slow in the 40, right? He, because he's, he's literally, he's really short area quick. He can make people miss. Um, He can get out in space and get some extra yards with his legs. So he, he does that. And I think that he's going to be even, uh, even quicker this year. Um, But like you were saying, it's, it's more of a maturity thing. You see that, you know, he's, he's matured. Like last season was the best thing that could have happened to him. I think that if you had come in and just lit the game on fire, like if he came in and just dominated in the NFL last year, he might it might have taken him longer to understand what it was necessary to be right. an elite level pro. Like this is it 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 put him in a situation to catapult um into his future. When did you first because again you talked and you communicate communicate with him? When did you really see that? maybe the light, I don't mean light go off and, you know, or whatever, but when did you really see that change in him? What did he tell you something? Did he, did you see something? Me and him were talking a good bit in February. In February, we just kind of like rehashed the season. This is what went on. We were making plans for when we were going to get together. And we just talked about like, all right, what is it going to take for Dwayne Haskins to take the next steps? Because a lot of guys aren't as honest with themselves. They're not as critical of themselves as he was in that conversation. And he knew, like, there's things I can do better. And he, him being honest with that evaluation of himself, I was happy about that. And and I thought that, all right, well, he's he's ready to roll. Like, he's he sees it, and he's ready to make the next – take his game. You know, it's time. funny. And, you know, it's funny because he, he wrote something for Redskins.com recently looking back at his rookie year. And the thing that stood out to me was he never talked about the coaching issues or anything like that. It was all about what he learned and what he went through to, you know, just on the field and his transformation there, which I kind of felt was some growth there because it wasn't about pointing fingers. It was about, well, this is what I learned and this is this place specifically that I learned from. And I just, you know, that kind of stood out to me. Yeah, that, that takes a lot of maturity to go through, to go to a situation where coach like a head coach you know that he doesn't want you to be there as his quarterback and they take you the first round pick and you just gotta be in there that situation um that that's difficult and for him to not like look back at that or place blame on that situation for why things went the way they did that's that's impressive for a young man who's 22 sure. years old um and going through things he has so what do you anticipate? I mean, because, again, we, we don't even know what kind of season the NFL is going to have. What do you anticipate from him this year? I think he's going to play at a high level. He's going to be a, a high-level quarterback. I think that we'll see just in his decision-making, his, his preparedness. And, all right, he's seen it once, and now you're going to see the talent that he has. I mean, if they get some a couple more pieces around him. Sure. Um, because they need it, they need some help at the skill positions and the O line. Like he, he doesn't have a, a lot around him, but he's. I think we're going to see major jumps in his game. And, and you know, I, I I'll be remiss to, if I don't ask you because my Ohio State ties. You're working with Justin Fields too. 
What mm-hmm. have you seen from his, you know, again, this is a selfish question. So the people listening, you know, bear with me, but what have you seen from him? Cause he had a terrific year last year. What kind of growth have you seen in his game? Just working with him this off season. You know, what's interesting is you hear like when the, the next year's draft projections come out, I mean, have come out and there's some people say like, Oh, we question aren't I see somebody very well should be the first player selected in NFL draft. Like, right. The the things that he can do with his arms and his legs are like nobody else in the country. He, if he was just throwing the ball last year, you look at like the advanced stat, the Pro Football Focus, like um, critical throws. He led the right. country. Like he he makes every single throw you could ask somebody to make. He does that, and then he's going to run a four three eight, right? So yeah. it really to me, he's the best football player in the country, and I think that he's going to get a chance to cement that um, this upcoming season. Did, where, where, is he, what have you worked on with his game in the offseason? Like, what, what are some things that you want to get better with him? He's so talented that we – it's like you don't make major tweaks to his game. You just in, improve on his ability to maintain his base, create space in the pocket, and let him, of course, when, when it's time to do his thing and escape the pocket and run, do that. But we've been, just been adding in terms of being able to escape and get back on platform, get organized if something flashes open downfield and he decides he's going to throw it rather than pass it. Um, Quincy, I, I listen. That I, I always enjoy talking to you because I like your insight because I know you know these guys well and you have a lot of experience around other guys too. So I appreciate you joining me. I do. Have you been working with Deshaun Watson too in the offseason? It really sucked. Deshaun got out here the first week of March. We had extensive plans on exactly what we were gonna do each week, and then until like a week and a half into that, Corona hits. So it's been intense. But I, I got it. Plans to get out there next week and, and help him put together something with the receivers out there with the Texans and get him rolling. Yeah, because he he took another big jump too. I mean, that's what what's the biggest growth you've seen in his game? Mental. Uh, it's not physical. It's his mental ability to process things. He knows what defenses are doing to him before they do it. I mean, he knows where his answers are. Um, he's another big – yeah, I get a lot of these guys on chess, but that helps these guys create processes. Um, it's really similar in terms of – playing quarterback and playing chess. So we're always like diving into the little details there. Excellent. Hey, Quincy, man, I, like I said, I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for joining me. For sure. I appreciate you. After this break, I'll be back with Les Carpenter from the Washington Post. We talk more about Ron Rivera and some thoughts on our interactions and what we lose by being unable to be at Redskins Park right now. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. 
you will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Now I'm joined by Les Carpenter of the Washington Post, um, one of my favorites, been on here a few times, always great with insight. But I want to start with this, Les, because this is a crazy time for the players, for anybody involved in the NFL, including reporters. So I'm curious, on your end, what are the challenges that you found trying to cover a team the way we've been having to cover it? You know, I think the the biggest challenge for me, that it, it even is magnified more right now because of the fact that there's a new coaching staff with the Redskins, is that we, we, we just physically can't go talk to people. We can't see people. We can't sit and have those conversations that you have where, you you, you know, things are just mentioned to you offhand or you, you kind of see how people are operating. I mean, it, I, I, you know, I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about Ron Rivera, you know, in this, in this conversation, right. but I, I, I really think that there is something interesting he's bringing here in terms of an approach, a culture, uh, you know, anyone familiar with what he brought to Carolina probably knows kind of what he's trying to build here. And it would be really nice to be able to physically see that and document it in some way. Uh, you know, I had a brief little interaction with him got to see a little bit of that at the senior bowl and a little bit more in a couple of days at the combine, but you really would like more of that. And I, you know, sure. whether it was around draft day, whether it was being around OTAs, the different things right now, I think you and I both would be able to see so much more of what was going on. So, you know, it's not the end of the world that I'm sitting in my, in my home office every day. I mean, this is fine. This is a lot of times how we do it, uh, right. but it would be nice to kind of be able to document something and, and see something personally. It would. And you know, the other thing too, that, that I, that I've, you want to establish relationships with these new coaches. And the way you do that is, it, you know, not where you're working, it's by being out there every day and then letting them see you and seeing how you operate and seeing what you're about. And then you, they develop, they, you, a trust develops with them. And I think that's one of the things, because then along with that trust, like there's some stories that I'm like, I know if I were out there, I know if we were out there that they'd probably be more agreeable to certain stories because you have that relationship established or you're building that. And so they're just various things. I think that we, that we miss out on. You can listen, we can compensate and you can still do stuff by the phone. We do a lot of that, but it does change how you have to, it changes how you have to take at least part of your approach. Yeah. It's hardly a complaint. I mean, no, it's again, not a complaint. We're, we're lucky. We have our health. We're, yeah, I'm know, not complaining at all, but, but and I agree, and I it, but it is it, right now. I mean, I you know, there would be OTAs going on, and you know, you mentioned yeah, the having the interactions with people where you at least get to know them, they get to know you. I, I have some stories that I'm working on where I would really love to, you know, just, just throw a question or two on the side to somebody, and right, you know, really can't do that, right? It's not the end of the world, but it's just something you can't do. Uh, I think the other thing that's that probably for me though is is missing more is the fact that when the fact that they're having these practices and things, you get to see a style. You get to right. see how Ron Rivera works around a team. You get to see how Jack Del Rio really interacts with the defense. You you get to see how Ken Zampezi is going to work with uh, with Dwayne Haskins. Right. You're you know we've seen all these little videos of Dwayne Haskins and all. Well, well how does Dwayne look? Right. Uh, how does he look with the whole team? You know, just so many things that just jump out at you when you're physically there. 
you know, I'm sure the coaches and the players and everyone else has those, those same complaints. But, you know, for us, that would be the thing that we would love sure. to be able to and, see. And it is – that is the thing that I'm missing out on is being able to go out to – and we only – just you know, for a point of reference for people listening, we get one OTA practice a week, and then we get the mini camp. We also would have had a another mini camp with the rookies, and another there would have been that veteran mini camp in April that we haven't been able to see. But it's as much being able to gauge the progress, and you know, like it's it's one thing to see Dwayne's you know the Instagram shots or whatever he's putting out there. That's helpful for us right now to see what he's doing. But it's another than to go watch him in a practice setting. How is he getting rid of the ball? You know, um, how quickly is he getting rid of the ball? It's how is he working with these, you know, some of the new receivers, whatever. All of that is stuff that you want to see, like how, you know, Chase Young's get off off the line. Those those kind of things that, you know, you miss out on. And just from a, a geeky football standpoint, that's what I really miss is, is that up close first impression of guys, how guys have changed and, you know, th- those Kind of things because there's so many young guys on this roster that a lot of guys are going to be developing and changing from this, from last year to when we see them in August. They're going to change in a lot of ways. They're going to change in a lot of ways. There's all these new veterans that they've brought in as well. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how some of them would mesh with everyone. Uh, because I think, too, there, there's so many guys that are – you know, they're on their one or two year contracts that, you know, this is kind of a little bit of their last shot, but there's reason to think that maybe they could play up a little bit. Obviously all of them are not going to, but it would be curious to see, you know, Sean Davis or, you know, Logan Thomas, right? These guys that we've kind of written about, you kind of want to see what they can do. So, yeah, but again, it is what it is. And eventually we'll get to do that. And, uh, you know, yeah, this part, isn't a. Com- it's, yeah, it's pretty easy just to sit at home and 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 make phone calls. Oh, listen, it's you know I'm not complaining about the life I have right now at all. And I'll tell you what, the other thing is from the Redskins to the Redskins credit to their help for us, you know we've had a lot of these Zoom calls, so you do get a chance to interact with them. And we were both on a Zoom call today. Um, actually, it wasn't. We weren't participating. We were watching, but it was Ron Rivera's the webinar with some of the military families and. You get a chance, you do get a chance to not just maybe see him interact with his players, but a chance to understand his philosophy and his thinking and his responses to the questions that the people in the military with the military families would ask. What when you're watching that, what what are some of the things that jumped out to you about what he said or, or just how he comes across with with his answers and stuff? You know, it's in a couple other times that I've been around him and other times in Carolina too, where I've seen him, you know, interact with people. It's always what's jumped out at me is and this is also, I should say, is something that other people have mentioned to me when I talk to them about Rivera. It's his ability to make connections with people, his ability to communicate, and his ability to be able to get kind of a message across. Right. Uh, you know, for instance, today there were, I think there were 10 families asking questions of him. Each family got one or two questions. And invariably, there's some repetition in those questions. Uh, it was interesting to see him completely have a different answer for the same question. Right. And where that would matter or not matter to a fan is that it, it shows that there is a, a, you know, a depth of knowledge and understanding with him uh, and ability to not, you know, dismiss anything to, to look at, to consider, you know, where the question is coming from, who's asking it, why they're asking it, what their intent is behind it, and try to provide something that would be meaningful for them. Uh, it's what I've been told he's always been able to do with players and what he's always been able to right. do with other coaches. 
make those connections and then make those people feel like somehow they are involved with him. I, I felt with those people today that everyone was somehow very connected to him by the end of it. And, uh, you know, I've seen that a couple other times and it's been very interesting to see. It's, it's different than a lot of football coaches. Very oh, different. Very, very different, very different. But I think one of the points you brought up in there that I found interesting along those lines was how he had moved around so often and lived in, you know, lived in different, you know, different areas, whether it's city, um, you know, different countries, country, you know, rural, whatever. It, he felt like it gave him the ability to relate to a lot of people. And that, you know, I think you see that influence in what you were saying. And I think you also see the military influence in terms of the desire for structure and and just you know, the approach, the daily approach is very, seems to be very big with him as well. Yeah. And, you know, we were on these uh, calls today with uh, Landon Collins and John Allen. And obviously those are two guys who's going to lean on a lot on a defense for leadership. And I thought both of them had interesting, interesting things to say about their interactions with uh, with Rivera, right. and how they were able to kind of bond with him. But Landon Collins, I thought, was was really interesting today when he started talking about the first uh, meeting at Rivera. So Rivera had his first actual meeting with the team virtually, of course, this week that they went through several of those kind of offseason things individually with players and coaches and he'd pop in and for the first time he actually did a whole team address rather than doing it at the very beginning and he did that this week and, and Collins was talking about the fact that you knew right away what he was trying to get across he said it was very stern and it was directed right. to the point and you kind of I'm almost just kind of imagining that having seen this thing today and, and seen Rivera talk a few other times you know how he delivered that how you know he kind of has this sort of you know he's in charge, but right. there's also a humanity behind it. And I would have been very curious to sort of see that that meeting. And I can kind of imagine it in my mind just kind of laying out the expectations of what he wants to do. And, you know, we're going to hear this over and over and over again, but it's very important to him, uh, the word culture. Yeah. And, and how he delivered that to the to the team. And I, you can see it has made a difference. You see that guys, you know, kind of snap to and have, have sort of said, okay, this is uh, this is how this is going to be. What do we need to do? And, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out once they do all get together on the field. Uh, but I, I do you do get the sense that everyone's kind of stiffened up a little bit and said, OK, we're we're starting something new here. And they seem excited about it. So I, I well, guess for Redskins fans, that would be a positive. Right. And I think after last year, I think change in general was going to be good. But I think it's the it's the type of change that I think they're probably excited about. But Going to the culture, one of the things he said in that to the military families was he felt it took three to five years to fully change the culture. Now, some people, I, I tweeted that out, and I think some people took that to mean you're not going to win for three to five years. No, there's a difference. You can win in a shorter time, but to change the culture, to get it to where you really want it, where in his in his words, sustainable winning um, culture. And I think it, you know, it just takes. It takes time to change the mindset, not just of the players, but of the entire organization. I think, you know, I think there are a lot of people who have probably felt very scarred by the last couple of years here. And it, it's, I don't know, I don't think you're going to change that overnight, but the more guys you get in there, like the Thomas Davises or, or like even getting a Chase Young, guys who work a certain way, then the quicker you can change that culture. But were you surprised that, you know, at how long he felt it would take? Again, that's not to say not they can't win. It's just to build a culture that you want 
to get it exactly where you want, it may take a couple of Well, I've heard him say that a few times now uh, over the years. So no, it, it, But when I first heard it, it was a surprise. Because uh, you think, gosh, football coaches, you know, they, they, they think that they got to get things turned around immediately. And let's face it, this is a league right now where if you don't get things turned around fast, you're gone. Uh, you know, if you look back to Carolina, uh, he tried very quickly to establish the culture in a circumstance much like this one where he didn't get access to the players until training camp because of a lockout, not a virus. Uh, but he tried to build that very quickly. The difference was, you know, they struggled those first couple of years. And, you know, I think his job was kind of on the line a little bit early on. But right. within five years, they were in the Super Bowl. Within five years, they had the best record in the NFL and they were in the right. Super Bowl. I think that was year four. Uh, and year three really was kind of the turnaround year for them. So, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of time, but they were still very competitive within three years. Uh, so I don't know why people necessarily should be so upset here. I, I do think that they're starting, while well, maybe the overall talent of this roster still is you know, something to be desired, I think there's a lot of young talent all around, yeah. and I do think that defense is something that they could get going very quickly, quicker than they could have gotten something going in Carolina. Uh, that could make them more competitive quickly. I don't right. know if that turns into wins, but I, you know, I don't think that with the defense they have, with the coaching that they have on that defense and what they want to do, I don't think there's a reason why they, you know, that couldn't be one of the better defenses in the league very, very right. fast. And I think, I think, the, you know, I think if you gave them a true serum, I think they would say like this year, they want to see what they have. You want to win, but you also want to see what you have. But year two, you're going to really have to show the, uh, a higher level of progress. And if the defense provides that base, then I think they feel like they have something moving forward they can build off of. And, you know, the question for this year, obviously, would be all the young talent on offense. Does it come together? Does it develop? How does it, how does it look? And that will probably determine a lot about what they do this year anyway, as much as culture. Culture usually seems to be better when, when the quarterback play is really, really good. You know, one of the things when I look back at uh, at Rivera's years in Carolina, uh, he had several seasons where there was kind of a shaky start, and then they really you know turned it on uh, the second year, the third year, right? Uh, you know, not the Super Bowl year, but there was another year where they won a division. You know, after starting two and eight, seven eight one or whatever it was, yeah. He has had a lot of those seasons where it's clear that the that what was built within the team uh internally the culture that we would talk about uh was able to win out through the bad moments i suspect early on there might be a couple losses that we don't suspect right uh but i wouldn't be surprised if some of those victories are ones that we're looking back later saying wow they won that game i couldn't i you know yeah who who would have ever imagined well but you i know, you know i think that's what i would see from him this year and he kind of talked about that fact too a little bit today yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because when we had to do our little predictions when the schedules came out, which is just a fun exercise and you can't take it seriously. But I did one of the I had them, I think, upsetting Pittsburgh. And somebody asked, like, why would you do that? I said, for exactly the reason you said, I said, listen, don't take it serious. I don't know. Nobody has a clue. But the rationale would be I think they're going to spring an upset on the road. And I think because at that point in the year. I think exactly what you said. If they're going to become a decent team, you're going to start to see it around that time. So they may be able to surprise somebody and do something. And I think if they can show that this year and finish strong, then I think, you know, then you look back and then you then you can start to build something legitimate. And it goes back to what he talked about. The other thing, too, is 
you know, the importance of the military in his life and the way his, his style of coaching is, it is very, you have a job to do and, and you need to do it and you need to be focused. And he said in the webinar, focus where basically where, you know, where your feet are. Um, and, um, but it's just the role the military has played in his coaching career um, has been, and the way it shaped him, I think has been, is, is a lot deeper than I thought it was. Yeah, no, and again, that was something that I had heard a lot about in Carolina. I think what's interesting uh, about how he does it is, uh, obviously, so much is made about the NFL military. There's so many connections, uh, football metaphors in the military, military metaphors in, in, in football. Uh, you know, certainly it's the, the league itself likes to draw a connection to the military and vice versa and all that. But very, very few of the coaches really, truly are military guys. Right. Uh, they're just they're guys who talk about it a lot, but they, they may have read a lot of books by generals or whatnot. The interesting thing about Rivera is he's a guy who sort of lived that. Uh, he's he's lived the the military life growing up, and it's clear that the principles of the military life carry him through. That said, there are things too that that I, I think a lot of people who would just you know sort of you know kind of wrap up in a blanket and say, well, this is the military. Uh, and this is how you're supposed to think and how you do, I, there would be contradictions. The fact that he signed Eric Reed, uh, right. despite the fact that Eric Reed was, 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 was very much into the, the protests, uh, the kneeling protest during the national anthem. I, Rivera was able to kind of distill that and say, well, here are the reasons for her pro his protest, and it's not an anti-military protest. As, you know, and I don't want to get off on that tangent, right. but no, no, that, that yeah. is something, that, it's something that's, that's important in his background. Uh, you know, the fact too, he went to Cal Berkeley, which is not necessarily the most militaristic of schools. No, no. Uh, you know, I always thought was very interesting too. He is a person with a lot of thoughts, it seems, and a lot of, you know, different experiences in life that don't all fit one chapter. And it's interesting to see how he takes the military and is able to sort of use that and use that military background to help him, you know, sort of, sort of relate to lots of different people and create kind of a, an order around him or an organization. And the last, the last thing I want to touch on too, is we also talked to Landon Collins and, and Jonathan Allen. And it was funny because Jonathan Allen's been here for a few years now. And so he knows that there's a lot of times, a lot of talk here that isn't backed up during the season by, you know, with nicknames or whatever, whatever. So when we asked him about, or somebody asked him about, you know, the front seven, what they can do, and he's like, hey, before you can start dominating the field, you got to take care of what you're doing today, is essentially what he said. And he's like, you know, there's a long way to go, basically. We asked, Landon, somebody asked Landon Collins about that, and it's like, you know, he started rattling off all the, the changes and some of the additions, like, hey, there's no reason we can't have a breakout year right now. Both those guys are leaders, and both those guys are respected. But it is, you know, it does speak to like they do under, you know, I think it kind of speaks to um, Jonathan Allen having been here a little bit longer and understanding like in this area, before you can start proclaiming things, you better take care of business on the field. It's kind of the personality of those two guys. It is, uh, it is. They're both very much leaders. Uh, they're both really what's amazing is kind of leaders as, as relatively young guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously they both came from Alabama and, you know, the Alabama system and, uh, and are heavily influenced by Nick Saban. Uh, but yes, I think their personalities are very different. I think Landon has a much more optimistic personality. I think that's his leadership style. 
Uh, and I think, it, you know, that's what we heard a lot about with the Giants, but it was hard to see it here last year. Right. Because last year just collapsed so quickly. Right. Uh, and I am that we talk again about wanting to be around a team and seeing a team right now and seeing a team practice. That's one of the things I'd really yeah. want to see because I think that he'd have a fresh start here. The secondary would kind of be quote unquote his, or maybe it belonged to other guys last year. Right. I kind of like to see how that would work. You know, I, I think we would see a lot more of all the things that Landon Collins could bring to a team that we didn't get to see because of the the disaster Absolutely. of last season. Uh, and uh, John Allen. And I think it's just his his mindset's a little different. His approach is a little different. And when I heard those two kind of comments from those two guys, I thought, well, that's really they're very different personalities, very different leadership styles. And yet I think both of those, you know, styles of leadership can work. And this gets back to again what Rivera is trying to create here. Uh, not totally dissimilar to what Pete Carroll has in Seattle, which is the idea that the players themselves have to have to take right. ownership. And it's their personalities that ultimately will set the tone for how the team operates in the locker room and everything else. And he doesn't try to force that on them. He tries to force them to, to bring out the leadership qualities that they have because each one's going to be a little bit different. So that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. But I think both those guys with different voices yes. can galvanize that defense well. Yeah. And I think they're going to be... They're going to be freed to do that. That's definitely true. Yeah, and I think, you know, going like – because I would also be interested to see how the impact of a guy like Thomas Davis. And I think John Bostic, to me, is probably a stronger voice than we realized, given his knowledge of the defense and all that. And I, he has to play at a certain level. But I think you're going to you – if this defense is better, you're going to hear more voices, and you'll see that there's probably more leaders on this defense – than there have there may have been in a little while. So, um, well, there's a lot of under the radar signings that were during, uh, you know, in free agency that necessarily didn't jump out and say, "Wow, these are big time players that they're bringing in." But they are more experienced. It's just like they didn't sign a whole lot of undrafted free agents this year because you know just that's a cloud. Whatever you know, off season camp you have uh, with a bunch of guys who may or may not make the roster, but but are young and needing to learn. There's a whole lot of voices that we don't really know yet but right. could even if they don't make the final roster still bring some sort of professionalism and some sort of maturity as a veteran player to those to those practices that might be very necessary in august yep and we'll end on that note less i hope you're having some decent coffee during this um sh lockdown or whatever and if you want some good coffee, there's Lono Coffee that you can visit lonocoffee.com. How's that? Promo code COFFEE2020. Little plug. That was brilliant. I... That was brilliant. <laughs> but thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for joining me. And I hope you're staying safe over there in Maryland. Hopefully we will see you in person soon. Uh, that would be great. Standing there in the boiling sun in uh, Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Les. Thanks. After this break, I'll be back with a couple nuggets of my own. What's up with Cody Latimer, and how does Antonio Gandy-Golden help Terry McLaurin? I'll let you know. This episode of the John Kime Report is brought to you by Manscaped. You know, the last dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron the GOAT? Well, one thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the goat for below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped is forever changing their grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. 
comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 water resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, beautifully designed deodorants and toners. These liquid formulations are the best supporting cast since Scotty and Rodman. Don't gamble like MJ. Play it safe with the Lawnmower 3.0 and get 20% off and free shipping with the code KIME at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping with the code KIME, K-E-I-M at manscaped.com. Welcome back. Now here are a few nuggets of information you need to know. I don't know what's going to happen with the Cody Latimer situation. It certainly doesn't look good for him, even if there are a lot of things at play here. He's had some problems in the past, and I'll just say that even if there's a good reason for his actions, it's going to lead to a lot of questions that remain at Redskins Park and in the NFL headquarters. The NFL is looking into the matter as well. Just a guess, we don't see Latimer this season. Maybe there's even more we don't know at this point, so you always have to withhold judgment. I just know that it doesn't look good for him right now, and, and it certainly doesn't sound good for him right now um, with the Redskins. We'll see. It's been an odd week or two because of the Quentin Dunbar situation as well. His character was not a reason that Washington wanted to get rid of him. It was all about his approach um, with Rivera and then also wanting more money right now. They knew he had some rough edges, but those rough edges did not include what he was charged with. In other words, they did not see that coming. Hopefully, for his sake, the charges aren't true. But again, I think there will be a lot of questions that get raised about Dunbar, regardless of what happens from here on out. Number two, I know I mentioned this before, but it bears repeating based on how and when the NFL might return. It seems, feels perhaps, like there will be a shortened training camp. That's certainly a sense you get when you talk to people. That is not official. Don't don't think that I'm saying that. But if there is a shortened camp, it certainly puts the preseason games in jeopardy. It's hard to imagine all four being played. And that, plus no on-field work in the spring, will make it extremely difficult excuse me, for undrafted free agents to make a team. It's why the Redskins signed only four of them this after the draft. Those players need to open some eyes in the spring in order to start making a name in the summer. And it's real hard to do that in practice considering how little teams are able to hit anymore. Those games matter a ton to a lot of players. I know fans get tired of it. The starters get tired of it. The media gets tired of it. But man, does it matter for a lot of guys. That's how, they, that's how they're going to decide their future. Guys like Lorenzo Alexander made it because of their performances in, in uh, preseason games. So you don't, you'd hate to see them lose out on that. And I think the other hard part with that is if you have that shortened camp, the emphasis goes not on really trying to ferret out the roster as much as it is getting guys ready to play games right now. So it's just going to change the whole tenor of camp. But again, when people ask me after the draft, why do they only sign four? They saw all these teams signing all these guys. It's because of this. There aren't, they, don't anti- they didn't anticipate being able to really look at a lot of them. And so just that's why they signed only four. And speaking of camp, my gut tells me that the Redskins will end up training back in Ashburn instead of in Richmond. Certainly nothing official, but in this current climate, it'll be difficult to go elsewhere. They will have much more control over the, all this craziness in terms of the virus and whatever in their own building. Finally, Antonio Gandy-Golden's presence could be a big one for Terry McLaurin. 
The Redskins feel AGG can play the X receiver spot where McLaurin spent most of his time last season. If AGG can indeed handle that role, it allows McLaurin to play more of the Z or the flanker position. And that's important because it gets McLaurin more on the side of the tight end. That means it'll be harder for teams to switch assignments like they could if you're on a two-receiver side and you know the corners can just switch. It's, it's a little bit easier. If a safety's covering the tight end or a linebacker, not going to want to switch onto a receiver. If he does, probably he's going to regret it. But the Redskins also feel that AGG can work inside and feel he could be similar to a Michael Thomas in terms of his role. Please don't misunderstand that statement. Nobody is comparing him to Thomas, certainly not at this point, but more in terms of how they might be used. They like AGG's physical style and feel he will help. And McLaurin did play some of that Z last year. The Redskins would move him around there for the exact reason I said, to get him away or to get him on the side of the tight end, get him away from some of the two corner sides of a defense, you know, in terms of if it's a three receiver set, whatever, they would do that to get it. And I don't know that it made a tremendous difference at times, but it can. And, and, and I think, you know, that's just something that bears watching how that unfolds in camp and then during the season. Well, that's it for this week. Listen, I made an offer last week that still stands. If you or someone you know needs more of a distraction by talking Redskins for 10 minutes during this time, I'm yours. We can connect on Zoom. And I'll let you just ask whatever. But if it helps you get by during the day, if it helps you just, if it helps you or someone you know feel like it's a, you know, that distraction helps, just contact me. You can contact me on Twitter at John underscore Kime, K-E-I-M. I hope you know that. And then just hit me up and we can arrange something. And don't forget to visit LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com, and use promo code COFFEE2020. I appreciate their support of the show. Anyway, a big thank you to Quincy Avery and Les Carpenter from the Washington Post for joining me. And as always, thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.